Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Daf Shui. Weekly Daf, give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. Sitting with a lot of heaviness this week. Just before Rosh Hashanah came in, we heard of the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Zecher Tzadik Libracha. And yesterday we heard uh, that the grand jury is not going to indict the officers who killed Brianna Taylor. And so this week's learning is in memory of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was able to envision a world that didn't exist yet and articulate a law that can be a bridge from here to there. And Brianna Taylor, who was the victim of systems of oppression, systemic racism, white supremacy and gun culture, system of armed policing, which brought her life to a violent end decades before it might have. By fire and by water. Let us all hope that this coming year will be better. Hope that this coming year will be a year of justice. Okay, so let us take refuge in Torah for a little bit. So we're starting on uh, 41b. Let's see, five lines from the bottom of the page in the edition that was typeset and published by the widow and brothers. Ram lo these 150 years ago in Vilna. Shloshal kuchot mitztarfin. Amarav v'chulam b'shtar. So three, this is an interesting, interesting case. It's, it's interesting in, in its conception and then in the conversation that it generates. There are three buyers joined together, are joined together. Meaning, if Ruvain bought a piece of land from Shifra, and then held that land for a year and sold that land to Levi. And then Levi and Levi held that land for a year and sold it to Dina. And Dina held that land for a year. So then you have three years, and those three years are considered a chazakah if the original Baal did not, uh, the, the, the guy who sold it at first, did not protest. Rav says that this is only, this is only true if there is a deed, if there is a written contract for the sale between Ruvain, Shimon, and Dina, or maybe Shimon and Dina. The Yad Ramah says that Rav's statement, all of them with a deed, refers only to the second and the third. That is, Dina bought it from Levi with a star with a deed, and the and Levi bought it from Ruvain with a deed. Then they are all considered as one person. At that point, it is like a person who ate the usufruct of the field for three years and no longer needs a star. Right? That's the whole point. This is the going back to the original kind of controlling statement of this parak that a person that Rava says at the beginning that a person only can be expected to guard their star, to preserve their star for three years. Um, and that has nothing to do with the fact that if you look in your top desk drawer, as I do, you find bank statements from 24 years ago from banks that are already closed. Not that I know anything about that personally. Okay, so we have this case. Now, what's interesting about it is that we have another case of Mitzterfin, right? We talked in the beginning of this chapter about the fact that one person can't claim or might be able to claim a chazakah on serial years. Let's say he had 
one year he was on, one year he was off, or days and nights, or two shutafin who hold it together, right? That, that in the beginning of the year. So here we have another case of tziruf, another case of putting those things together. We had a different case of putting things together, which had to do with the amount of land on which trees were planted, whether or not that was considered the whole field or not. Use the same word of tziruf, but it was a different kind of case. So here we have another tziruf case, another case of can we count these things together? So here we have three buyers come together to be one chazaka, one three-year period. Rav says as long as they are with Hishtar. Now, what does that mean? So now the, the stop is going to interrogate what that means. The Memra, this teaches us, the Savarav, Shtar Itla Kala, Vedim Let Kala. This means that Rav holds, Rav's theory is that Shtar, a contract, has a public voice, in other words, has a public resonance. So, and witnesses don't have a public resonance. Why is that important? Because the whole point of having a shtar and a, of, of a chazaka is that you're sitting on somebody's land, they know that you're on that land, and then they haven't protested against you being on that land, so therefore it's considered that they've uh, admitted that that land is yours. What the Stam says is that this, the implication here is that Rob is claiming that contract is public in a way that witnesses are not public. Bahamarav, right, Lamemra is always setting up a question. Right, this implication, Vahamarav, but does not Rav say elsewhere, Hamocher If somebody sells a field with witnesses, uh, he can collect from uh Abadim. Right? He can collect from property that is under lien. Right? Ruvain sells a field to Dina with witnesses, and that field had been under loan, or parts of that field had been under lien, meaning that Ruvain had borrowed money from Levy and said, okay, this part of the field is a surety on that loan, is guaranteeing that loan. Ruvain sell, sells that field and other fields to Dina. And then Levy comes along and says, give me my field. And he gets the field because they are under the, he can collect from those fields because they are under lien. And this is in a case where it's sold with a, with a deem. This is a case where it's where it's sold with a demon. So therefore the it assumes that Rav now, here's the theory. Now here's where we have to, as they say in the old country, halt cup, right? We have to keep focus. The theory is that Rav is saying that despite the fact that it's sold with a deem, or because of the fact that it's sold with witnesses, Dina should have known, right, that it has Nechasim Mishua Badim. Right, that, and therefore, this contradicts Rav's statement before, the implication of Rav's statement before that Rav said that witnesses don't have a voice. Okay. Hatam lekuchot. Inu afsidu afnafshayo. So the stamp says, no, that's not actually a contradiction because there we're talking about customers and customers who buy land and they are invested. Inu afsidu afnafshayo. If they don't go and investigate whether or not the land has other claimants on it, they are losing, they are causing themselves to lose. So therefore, they're going to take it upon themselves to figure out whether or not the land has other investors on it and has, has a lien on it. And therefore, it's not a case, not a normal case of coal. It's a case of where the somebody's buying something is buyer beware, is going to do the investigation themselves. 
Okay, now this time I ask him, Miyama Rav Hachi, does Rav actually say this? That's not Amalved Chavero Bishtar, Govemuna Chasimishu Badim. The Mishnah says, one who loans money to his fellow with a contract can then collect from land that is Meshuabad, in other words, land that is under lien. But if he lends money to his friend only with witnesses and not with a star, so then he can only collect from land that's free and clear, meaning land that is not under lien to somebody else. So this seems to be on its face, contradicts what we said before about Rob's stat Rob's claims about Shtar and Adim, even though here, and we're going to see the answer is already in the question that uh, Rob said there that if you sell a field with Adim, and here Rob says, if you loan money to your fellow with witnesses. Okay. So, public. so maybe it's not a problem because that's a mission, but Rob, and this is a, this is a statement that comes up uh, every once in a while. Rav Tanu Pali, Rav is from the the uh, transitional generation between the Tanaim and the Moraim, the sages, the Tanaim, the sages that are ascribed to being the writers of the Mishnah or quoted in the Mishnah, but also it means a certain status. That if you're a Tana, if you're an Amora, you're not allowed to, you don't, you're not allowed to, quote unquote, you're not allowed to d- uh, dispute with a Tana. But Rav Tanahu Pali, Rav has a special status that Rav was a considered as if a Tanah, so he's allowed to dispute a Mishnah. So if you're going to say that, all right, so maybe that's the reason that this Mishnah is not problematic, where it says that if you lend your, your fellow money with a star, he's allowed to collect from fields, from land that has a lien on it. So that doesn't contradict what Rob says before, that if you sell with witnesses, you can collect from the field that has a lien on it, because Rob himself is a Tana, is like a Tana, so therefore he can dispute a Mishnah. Ah, the Haravu Shmuel, Dharmi Travayo Malve Alpe Eno Gove, Lomina Yoshim, Lomina Lakuchot. But we have a, an explicit statement from Rav and Shmuel, who say, both of whom said, if you lend money orally without a contract, you can neither collect from the heirs nor from customers, nor from people who bought. Land. So that would seem to say that Rob is actually doubling down on this Malvet Chavero Bishtar, but that if you only sell it with, with witnesses, those orally, that you can only collect from free and clear land. So the Stam says, oh, wait, wait, wait. Malvel Zvini Karamit, are you claiming that there's a contradiction between a case involving a loan and a case involving a sale? And here there's an economic principle which is at work here, apparently. In the case of a loan, when you lend, you want to lend uh, in private. You want to lend in, in, you will lend in private. So people don't know that. So that the, the, the property does not lose its value. In other words, if you're, if it gets out that you're borrowing money, so it means that you're going down and uh, apparently uh, your property is going to lose value because people will see that you're desperate. Zvini, but in the case of a sale, man dezavan ara beferhesi zavan. When a person buys land, he wants to buy it, he buys it publicly. So that the word will get out that he actually bought the land. So you can't, so the, the question of or the cases of lending and the cases of buying are two separate cases and you can't contradict one to the other. And we go back and uh, to the beginning where we say that uh, this case, Rav says that when three likuchot, right? When three buyers 
by land, one from the other, over three years, with a deed, then it's considered as one person, and there is a, and there, that is a chazaka. Okay, now we have another case. So if the if there was a piece of land and the father is sitting on the land for a year and eats the usufruct for a year and then the son eats the usufruct for two years, or ha'av ben shana, or if the father eats for two years and the son eats for a year, ha'av ben shana, or the father eats it for a year and the son consumes usufruct for a year and then they sell the land. For and and the buyer eats it for a year. This is considered chazaka. All these together, and if there was a, the original owner or the the original owner has no claim now. So this actually shows that the lokeach has a a voice because the third party was lokeach, right? And so the third party was a buyer, and it's considered a chazaka. So therefore. A buyer has a voice. So Lememer, I mean, this is the implication. So now this sets us up once again for a Raminhu, for a for a, a contradiction. Ramini, um, we juxtapose this with another text, which will contradict it. If a person ate the usufruct of the field before the father for a year and then before his son for two years, right? Bought the field, he's sitting on the field, and the field that originally belonged to the to the father, and then for a year he ate the usufruct in front of the father, and then the son for two years. He ate the usufruct in front of the father for two years, and then the father inherited the, the field to his son. And another year he ate the usufruct, or he ate the usufruct before, while the father was there for a year, and then before the son for another year. And then the son sold the field to another guy for another year. So those three years, Come together to be a chazakan. It's that last case that's important. And if you're going to say lokeach letle kala, if you're going to say that a buyer ha- does not have a voice, is not public, there is no greater protest than this, meaning that the that you sold it again, right? You so the father eats, the son eats. And then uh, they sell the field to somebody else, and that's considered a chazakah. So we've seen this phrase before that this act of selling claims that the person who's selling it has the rights over the field and is a greater protest. So Rav Papa is saying that actually what we're talking about in that case is that the buyer does have a coal. And hot here, why is not is it not considered a mecha'a when the buyer takes it from from the son? Because he says that uh, he just said that the son didn't specify this field. He just said in general. So therefore, there's no the coal was a what became public publicly announced was not that this specific field that the father and the son were eating the usufruct of was going to be sold, but in general fields. So therefore, Rav Papa is saying that that doesn't contradict the notion that a lokeach has a cold. Lokeach has a voice. Okay. So what's interesting here is you have, these are two different sugyot, two different short sugyot. The first is discussion of Rav's Mishnah, right? This is kind of interesting. That you have, That was initial setup. Three buyers come together and Rav says, only if they boil the shtar. And then you have a discussion of that ki'ilu. It's not really a Mishnah, Rav, but 
Ki'ilu Rav, uh, though it is interesting that within that conversation, they raise the claim that Rav is a Tana. But the first is a discussion of Rav's mission. Rav's comment on the line, Shoshal Kuchot Mitzarfin, Palmish Rav says, Hulam Bishtar. This generates a discussion about whether there is a call for a star versus a deem. The first piece then generates a distinction between sales and loans, right? And that's a, that's its own sugya, right? One sugya about the Mishnah of Rav. The second piece flips the scenario so that the holding on to the Maksik is done in front of three people and whether their individual years are combined. Here, the question is whether a lokeach has a call, right? It's not a, it's a question of wh- whether buyer has a public voice rather than a question of what has a voice, either shtar or adim? But both of these, these are two different little sugyot. The first one is on, on Rav's Mishnah. And we've seen before already, before with uh, uh, Rav Nachman and Rava, kind of an internal process of teaching. And this is like we mentioned Avram Weiss, this notion that each generation taught and gave a a kind of a a, a literary structure to the previous generation's material. And then that's how kind of Talmud was created in an evolutionary sort of way. This week's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Plugta, the original social conflict consultancy. Ever wonder how to resolve those awkward social situations where you were throwing a party and you invite one person, but you meant to invite another person? And you really liked the one person, but you ended up inviting the person you really hated? Because their names were really close, and your fingers were really fat, and they hit the wrong name, and then you left a message, and the wrong guy came to the party, and now what do you do? Well, let me tell you. Plukta was created for just those situations. With their patent-pending Compton by Compton method and their JBID solutions, that is, just burn it down, you won't have to worry about these situations anymore. You will be able to enjoy your parties without the pesky people who just want to poop on your party. And the best thing is, the JBID solutions give you maximal deniability, so when things go south, you aren't even there. And now, for listeners of this podcast, a special offer. If you contact us through our website, www.plukta.com slash dafshui, you get half off on your first social disaster. That's www.plukta.com dafshui. All right. We're going to go on to the next Mishnah. Okay, here is interesting. In the first line of the Mishnah, we run into trouble. That's the version that's in our printed editions, the artisans, right? Omanim is artisans, like uh, carpenters or painters or people like that. Vashutafim and partners, people who are owning land together or other things. Vaharisin and serfs, or tenant farmers. Vapitropin and ombudspeople. Ein lahem chazaka. They do not have a chazaka. Okay, they can't make a claim of ownership against well, the shutafin, the, the partners against each other, or the Oman can't make a claim of ownership against... Um, now, the question is there, there's a dispute on whether the Omanim is talking about land or only uh, movable objects. The Rashbam understands the Omanim is not is only not having a chazaka in regards to mitatlin, right? Why? What's the reason for that? Because you take your cart to the artisan to fix it to you know the the coach guy to fix it or you take your chair to the carpenter to fix it so in those situations on those types of things your property ends up in the artisan's house in the artisan's property and so therefore because of 
the structure of his work, the way that his work happens, that his work happens in his property on your stuff. So he can't make a claim then on that stuff. And if in general, if I take your property into my house while you're standing there, that's considered a chazaka, right? That is adverse ownership. That is adverse claim because you're standing there and you're not saying anything. So, and it's in my house. Now, others though, uh, the Adrama and the Meiri, say that this is also talking about land because sometimes you have to take, uh, you can bring an Oman to one's house for a specific job, like painting your house, building your house, right? Building a very large house. And then uh, if it's a long job, it's not impossible that the Oman, the artisan ends up staying in the house for three years and then claims Chazakah because look, he was at the house for three years. He was there for three years. So and so the, the Oman can't, the artisan cannot because of the way that his job is done cannot make the claim of ownership. Shutafin, right? Shutafin is an interesting question. And the question is basically whether or not Shutafin is part of this, is in the Gears of the Mishnah. So the or whether Omanim is. Um so in the Palestinian manuscripts, the three, the Kuf, the Kaufman and the Parma manuscripts. I didn't get a chance to check the Lao manuscript, which is the British Museum manuscript, but those three usually have the same version. They don't have Omanim. They don't include artisans in the first line of the Mishnah. Shutafin, partners, is included by those manuscripts, but not by all the other manuscripts. And by a bunch of the uh, uh, Rishonim, like uh, the Yad Ramah, does not have um, Shutafim in their, their manuscript. And why? So it's interesting. The difference in the Girsaot is based on the Mafloket on the first lines of the Gemara. So let's, we're going to skip the rest of the Mishnah for a second. And just take a look at the beginning of the Gemara. So Shmuel's father and Levi, and there's a wonderful story about Shmuel's father and Levi and Shmuel in the beginning of the second chapter of Brachot. If uh, you know, you're looking for wonderful stories about Shmuel's father, Levi and Shmuel. So Shmuel's father and Levi taught Shutaf in the Oman that a partner cannot make a claim of Chazakah, and all the more so an artisan cannot. Shmuel Tani Oman Shmuel taught that an artisan cannot make a claim of ownership of Chazakah, but a partnership can make a claim of Chazakah. So in Shmuel's Mishnah. The first line would read Ha'omanim v'harisin v'apitrobin e'len chazaka because Shutaf does have a chazaka. Shutaf can make a claim of chazaka. And in Levi's Mishnah, it would read Ha'shutafin v'ha'arisin v'apitrobin e'len chazaka. And Koshikein Oman, right? You learn that out of, and so if Oman would be there, there would be no reason to say Koshikein Oman. So it seems that what's going on is that the difference in Girsaot is the difference between Shmuel's Mishnah and Levi's and Shmuel's father's Mishnah. Shmuel doesn't have Shutafim in his Mishnah since Shutafim actually have a Chazaka. Shmuel's father and Levi don't have Umanim. Umanim because they get Umanim as a Kavachomer from Shutafim. Okay, so another, here we have another example of where we have a Mishnah, which is actually not one Mishnah, but two different Mishnah, one the Mishnah of Shmuel and the other Mishnah of Avuad Shmuel and Levi. Okay, so let's finish off the Mishnah. So we said that these people don't have a chazaka. And there are more people who don't have chazaka. A man does not have 
a cannot make a claim of chazakah on the property that his wife brings into the marriage. There are two types of property they bring into marriage. We don't have to go into that now. It gets complicated. But there's type of property that a that a woman brings into the marriage, which she will then, if in case of divorce, take out of the marriage. But the husband has a right to eat the usufruct, consume the usufruct. A husband can't make a claim of chazakah on that land because we say, well, you know, yeah, that's the conditions. You just ate it because it's part of the ketubah. Nor can the woman make a claim of, of chazakah against uh, the property of the husband just because she was consuming the usufruct for three years. Same thing with a father in the property of a son. Neither the son in the property of the father, because we assume that the, the father and the son just gave each other permission to eat the use, consume the usufruct. What are we talking about? This is only talking about making a claim of chazakah. But if one gives another a gift, or brothers who divide an inheritance, if one makes a claim on the property of a convert, there, the regular means of chazakah, which is to lock a gate, to build a fence, or to break down a fence, all these are considered chazakah. We'll get to those things. Second half of the Mishnah. There's a long, long Gemara on this Mishnah once again. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. But we're going to go back to the first line of the Mishnah in the Gemara. I mean, Gemara talking about the first line of the Mishnah. We're going to start again. Shmuel's father and Levi taught that a partner does not have chazakah, and all the more so an artisan. That Shmuel teaches an artisan does not have, cannot make a claim of chazakah, but a partner can make a claim of chazakah. And Shmuel here is following his own teachings. Da'amar Shmuel, Shmuel taught. Shmuel said in another place, Partners can make claims one against the other, claims of ownership, and they can testify against each other, and they also can become paid baileys, paid watch people for each other. So there Shmuel once again says that Shutafin, the partners, can have a chazaka against each other. Rami lay Rabbi Abba Rabbi Yehuda Vimaarta de is very specific. Rabbi Abba queried Rav Yehuda in the cave of the house of Rav Zakkai. Who said that Shmuel says that a shuta, that a partner has can make a claim of Chazakah? Did, did Shmuel not say A partner is like somebody who goes into the property, who makes use of the property with permission. Right? And so, therefore, is not the implication of the fact that a partner is somebody who uses a property with permission. Is that the implication not that a partner cannot make a claim of chazakah because somebody who uses land with permission can't then turn around and say, ah, see, I consumed the use of for three years. The owner of the field said, of course you did. I gave you permission to do that. But I didn't sell it to you. La kasha. No, it's not a question. We're talking about a distinction between those who are those who go down to the field for the, all of it and those who go down to the field for only half of it. In other words, like if the, what, how, what does the partnership look like? Does it mean that in serial years, 
one partner consumes the usufruct from the whole field and then the other partner consumes the usufruct from the whole field? Or are they side by side and then they switch sides? It's a, a different partnership. So we're in a case that when you say shutaf kired brashutami, that's a case where you go down and you give use of the whole field. And so therefore, in that kind of a case, you can't make a chazakah. But if you have, but if you decide if it's each partner only uses half the field, it's different. Amri lala haigisa, but amri lala haigisa. And there are different people who understand uh, the shutafut in different ways, right? Whether it's nachalukula or nachalapalga. When it goes down, when a shutafut, uh, when a partner uses half the field or uses the whole field serially. Ravina amar hava ha de nachalukula vlakasha, ha de ein badin chaluka, ha de let badin chaluka. So Ravina says, no, it's not talking about whether or not each partner uses the whole field or each partner uses half a field, each partner uses the whole field serially or each partner uses half a field. Actually, the difference is whether or not there is enough field, right? So Din Chalukah means, if we go remember that you're not allowed to divide a Chatser unless there's four Amot for each side. So there has to be, so there. here we're talking about a case where if there is not enough Field so that the field actually can be divided. One has, um, we're talking about a field where there's no possibility to divide it into two, right? Or a field where there's enough field so that it can be divided into two. So, where it's a field that there's no possibility that it could be divided into two, so then it's as if he was Yoraid Bershut because everybody's using the whole field. To use part of that field is not worthwhile, there's not enough field. But where you can divide it into two, so then each person uses their own field, and in that case, they can be machzik one on the other because they're each using different part of the field. Okay, so now we're going to re-examine this statement of Shmuel's Gufa Amar Shmuel Shutav Kired Brishutami. Going back to it, this statement itself, Shmuel said, "A partner is like somebody who." is using the field with permission of the owner. My Kamash. Now, what does this teach us? Shutafut ein lo chazaka. That partnership cannot make a claim of chazaka. Lema shutaf ein lo chazaka. So let us say this means that a partner cannot have a chazaka against their partner. Amarav Nachman, Amarav Bar Avuha. So what's the added value of this teaching? So Nachman says the name of Rabba Bar Avuha. Lomar shenotel b'sheva hamagia laktefaim b'sadesh eina asuya litak isadeha asuya litak. So this is kind of a complicated little thing. This is to teach us that a person can take the profit which comes from the ktefaim, which literally means the shoulders. We'll get back to in a minute what that really means in a field that is not usually planted just as as if it was a field that is usually planted. So what are ktefaim? So most folks, most folks, meaning most Rishonim, think that there are, that they are grain or produce that grows by itself. That is, it's an extra to the main produce, or it is the ripening of the fruit. There is the time between the fruit and the ripening of fruit. The ktefaim is like extra. On the other hand, the Rashbah, Shlomo ben Ajat, Spanish, um, northern Spain, 14th century, 14th, 15th century, the Rashba says that it is from shoulders, right? That's literally what it means, Ktefayim. I That is that the produce that was produced by the heavy work of one of the partners, which the other gets the benefit of. So in other words, if one person 
plants, and then the other person gets the benefit. So that is what Rabbah Barabua is saying, that Shmuel is saying, that in that the value added from the Shutaf, Kireb Shutami means that the Shutaf who doesn't do the work also profits from that extra work. Or, according to the other meaning of it, it means that in a field, which is not usually planted, and somebody goes in and plants it, so then you can take that's called, that is like extra income from the field. Then you get Shmuel's statement, according to Rav Nachman, and then Rav Barabua, that Shmuel's statement is teaching us that in that situation, the shutaf gets paid for it. Okay. So the Shutaf makes money off the extra field. The Rambam summarizes this by saying, This is his understanding of the Ketefayim, that if somebody goes down into his friend's field with permission, even if he planted a field which is not normally planted, we assess the field and the person who did the planting, even though it's not normally planting, ha- is it the advantage. And what does that mean? He has the advantage, and this is based on Gemara and Baba Kama. That if the outlay for the planting was greater than the profit, so then he, from the sale, he takes the amount of money that he laid out. And if the profit was greater than the outlay, so he takes the amount of money for the profit. Okay, and this is the same thing. And the same thing with a husband in his wife's property, but here is the important thing for us, and a partner in a field that he has a, a, part, a part in, he is considered as somebody who goes into the field with permission, and when they assess it, his hand, he has the advantage, Yedo and that's what it means when it says, the Ketefayim, that Yedo that means that, that the, the partner who did the planting in a field which is not necessarily planted, field that's not necessarily planted, not always planted, that he, that the partner went down and did the actual work, gets the better part of the assessment, whether it's the outlay, the amount equal to the outlay, or the amount equal to the profit, whichever one is larger. Okay, we're going to stop there. Thank you so much for joining me for these past 40, 50 minutes, whatever it was. And if you enjoyed it, I hope you give me a nice rating on the Apple Podcast page. It'll help other people find this statement, Josh. And also, even if it doesn't, it'll just make me feel good. Also, if you have any comments, criticisms, or witticisms, especially witticisms, you can send them to me at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. I want to thank, as always, my wonderful Chavruta, Charlotte Van Robert, my amazing producer, Ellie Unger Sargon. Please, if you have not yet, why haven't you? Check out his podcast, Four Cubits. This season, talking about anger and forgiveness. These four podcasts are kind of a, a unit, so start at the beginning and work your way through. Have a great new year, hopefully. Have an easy fast if you're fasting. I'm Arya Cohen. You can follow me at Irmiklat on Twitter, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. Be well.